Blog Talk Radio. on blogtalkradio.com, live from beautiful American University by Radio Saigon. I'm your host, Michael Gardner. Joe with me is my partner in crime and current roommate to boot, uh, Ben Florence. Hello! Here from our Hello. secondary studios. Uh, primary. Exactly, from, primary. Room, from room, uh, room 111. I don't know if you're dirty underwear. I don't even close the door so the world's not here. Yeah, the uh, wonderful banter that we have. Where is everyone? It's called Class. Now it says Class. The great Ian Lutz is racing tomorrow. We have a great show ahead of you. Recipes. We have uh, Mashi Sarah of the AU Women's Hockey Real Hockey Team. So we have a conversation. We'll talk some track. We'll be joined by men's 4x400 winner uh, David Verber from the uh, USA team, George Mason graduate. He'll join us shortly on the show. We'll begin today with uh, last night's Thursday night exciting football game. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, not really exciting. Exactly. Peyton Manning, though. First time since 1969, and a quarterback has done seven touchdowns in a game or just a season opener? In a game. In a game. First time since 1969. Immortal Joe Cat. Yeah. Vikings, CFL legend. Oh, I was going to say, I have no idea who that is. Hopefully you could explain. But uh, good start for the Broncos. Is this what we predicted last week? Uh, no, not what I predicted. I predicted the uh, Ravens. So I don't know what you're listening but to. But why? Because uh, because the, I thought that the Broncos without Von Miller, the pass rush was going to be non-existent. The secondary, I'm not a fan of. So I really thought that Joe Flacco were going to come out, air it out. And, but they, they, and they were some the first half. But in the second half, they completely came apart. Meanwhile, Peyton Manning in this passing game, they're going to be something to watch. Very inconsistent running game. So that means they're probably going to throw a ton. In this receiving core, now you have Demarius Thomas who got two touchdowns. You had Wes Welker, who was fantastic last time as well. He came right in. They were, they've had chemistry for years, even better chemistry than you and I. Yeah. And, and um, Eric Decker was solid. And... Uh, Julian Thomas, a tight end, a little bit. He had caught a fair touchdown in the first half. Nobody really saw that coming. So he could possibly be uh, hey, maybe new uh, Marcus Pollard or even Dallas Clark. So this passing game, they have the opportunity to be awesome this year. And, I mean, after all, when you throw seven touchdowns, I guess a solid defense. That's pretty damn good. That sets the bar very high. Uh, anything else you could look forward to NFL opening weekend? Oh, well, I don't know, opening weekend, you know. You know, Smith started with the other Jets. Yeah, I'm trying to name that to, uh, this week. Yeah. E.J. Manuel set the slate at the start. Yeah. Like to uh, Aaron Vale's undrafted quarterback. Yeah, unfortunately, 
not look like it's going to be Jeff Tool, but I think the Jeff and the Bills fans will be happy with that. Because you really don't want to have an undrafted freaking quarterback, even though Tool's been solid in the preseason. He's been okay. He's been passable. But, you know, he's not the kind of guy you want to go head-to-head against. Um, head-to-head with uh, Tom Brady. I mean, honestly, D.J. Manuel isn't my guy either. So, but I think that game is just going to be a demolition. I think the Jets are in for a tough day because they're going to get Darrell Revis who has something to prove against the team. A significantly improved passing game. The Jets' offense looks like a fiasco. And uh, Geno Smith, when he's played in preseason, he didn't look very good. Of course, it's preseason. Things are different. So, preseason kind of is meaningless. But all in all, that should be a tough go for the Jets against Tampa Bay as well. Yeah, so which quarterback will have the biggest struggle out of those two? Or will any of the uh, rookie sensations last year have the immortal sophomore slump? Like we saw Cam Newton when he was a uh, second year in the league. Yeah, well, Cam Newton struggled early on, but down the stretch played really well. And thus a lot of people, including myself, are thinking he's going to have a huge year this year. But even with the same eh, uh, supporting cast, uh, I think that basically the guy I would see if anyone to have a sophomore slump, I think Luck is going to get even better because uh, now he's getting more used to his uh, team. He's got solid weapons, the receiver, and finally should have a solid running back in Ahmad Bradshaw. You know, the defense is still questionable. And I think um, Russell Wilson, I think he – I mean, I, the thing with the zone read, I think coaches are going to be a little more prepared for it. But with how that offense ended last year, putting an awesome two-game run they had, was at, they scored like 100 points. Um, I think that well, obviously I haven't gone winning the Super Bowl, so we'll leave at that. Uh, I think the guy who's going to have a sophomore struggle is Robert Griffin the third. Because of the knee injury or just in general? Because of the knee injury, because I mean, let's be honest. He didn't show he showed smart passing last year, but he didn't show that much outside of play action. True. And a big help and of course this went hand in hand with that help by Alfred Alfred Morris. A running back, and but Alf Morris was also helped by Griffin being such a key running threat. So now teams are going to try and force Rob Griffin to beat him in the air. And coming off the knee injury, really hasn't played that much. And an offensive line, which is got you know we got Trent Williams on the blind side, but I think they're not great. And with how he plays, unless he um, uh, you know, unless you were his game, but you don't want to do that that much because then I can even lose his effectiveness because right now his wheels are the, um, the strength of his game. But I, I don't think he's going to have as good a year. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to turn to Keith Smith. I think he'll still have a pretty good year, but it just won't be. It'll be it could be a little bit of a letdown. But I think the rest of the fans, all they want is an L. Exactly. Plus, they're in a very tough division, a division that you – I said two teams go eight and eight, and Cowboys winning. No, I had one team going eight, one team set going seven and nine. Eagles at seven. And they had two going ten and six. Yes, but only one getting the playoffs. Exactly. So that is a uh, bloodbath when you think of the uh, four teams in that division. Uh, I have no idea. I think Andrew Luck. A lot of people are giving him not as much credit as they deserve. He's a very good quarterback. 
I don't think the Colts will be as good as they were last year. Because one, since they were the worst team last year, they had the easiest record. Much like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Jacksonville Jaguars will have this year. So they're playing fairly easy teams, hence they got the wild card. And he doesn't really have a consistent core because there was a lot of energy last year from Chuck Pagano and the Adversarians, coaches, and all the rally in the city of Indianapolis. Uh, don't be surprised if Andrew Luck comes sort of crashing back to reality, just in a way of him not having the great season he had last year. Russell Wilson, I'm still not full in Seattle. I have to watch. I'm going to actually try to watch them this week to see because they were very good in the preseason. But then again, they are sort of lame ducks and they go away from Seattle when they go on the road. What can they do? Because they do have a very good defense, which is Sherman, one of the best uh, secondary players in the league. And, of course, you have Marshawn Lynch. And he has Percy Harvin, too, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's hurt. hurt. If he's, when he comes back healthy. When he comes back, but he is hurt. So not, not big on the other Golden Tate train. So I'm not buying it. Of course, Pete Carroll has okay. Tate. Pete Carroll has, I don't like Tate. He's not, eh. eh I don't know. Edward Arbor Griffin is, is me. Everything. Oh, I, would not, I would not be surprised if he gets back up there and re-interested it again. Right. But we'll find out as they play Monday night in RFK. But, of course, we'll switch gear at NFL. We'll come back to college football, get our extensive analysis of these past weeks and the previous week of the Golden Domers against uh, the Maze in Blue. Yes, sir. Georgia and South Carolina, the old ball coach, takes on Mark Rick of a team that got – I think did really well against Clemson. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll switch the track, something we rarely talk about on this show, but something we'll be very excited to in just a moment. But uh, the news of Usain Bolt. Your boy, my boy, Usain Bolt, announced he was planning to retire after the 2016 Olympics. Here's what he said after his 200-meter gold medal at the World Championships. I always say the best for, for the end of my championships. I always seem to find it when it comes to championships because uh, I try better on championships. I look forward to championships because it's all about the gold medal. Continue winning, continue dominating. Uh, I've solidified my legend status, and the key thing now is just to continue winning. And that's my aim. And... Uh, biggest thing is just to go back to the Olympics and to do it again and do something no one has ever done before, and that's to win uh, the 100 and 200 meters three times. So he wants to become the first ever Olympian to win 100 and 200 meters three times. Not even our boy Carl Lewis did that. Not even my boy Jesse Owens did that. Do you think he will? How old, how old will he be by the time 2016 rolls around? Uh, Usain Bolt currently is 27. So he will be 30. 30 years old. Good God. Yeah. Could he do it? I don't know. Uh, you know, I love old Usain Ball. I I actually felt he should have been the uh, SI Sportsman of the Year in uh, 2008 over um, our good friend Mike Phelps was when he won like 1835, however many goals he won. Seven. Ran the table. I thought he got eight. He did be a good friend of Mike Phelps. Um, you know, I really think that, you know, he's 30, he's obviously still the best around the world. That's a lot. And if he hasn't done it already, I don't think he's going to do it. I mean, I, I hate to be that guy, but I got to be that guy. I mean, let's I will be surprised if he loses because there will be some, in, in 2013, in three years' time, there will be someone who is possibly faster. The one thing about Usain Bolt that we marvel. Single-handedly, um, 
one of the greatest athletes of all time. Just one because of his frame, you know, 6'5", his long legs. He always gives credit to his long legs, get bailing him out when he has a bad start. You are a leg guy. Exactly. Uh, blessed with height in my family. No. And <laughs> so he, so he t- it tailors to that. He also runs three events. He runs the 200 meter, the 100 meter, and the 4x100. And I don't think he did 4x400, and I don't think he wants to do the event of 4x200. I don't think they even have that event. Maybe they do. I'm not sure. That's a lot of events, a lot of strain. And he had already lost to Justin Gatlin in Rome. But he did say in this interview, and after he won his races in Moscow, he's very good when it's trying championships. He's a spotlight guy. Oh, my God. When lights come on, we mess up. I turn to you're trash. He, on the other hand, continues to amaze. He was hurt going. Then he went into the 2012 Olympics, won three feet. The um, 4x400 men in Jamaica continues to break world records, continues to rack up the points in love. He's in both, continues to dazzle the crowd because after he did lose to Gatlin in Rome, said he'd come back, guaranteed he'd come back and win, and he just did, he did just that. Three years' time, though, I don't know because Johan Blake, his good friend from Jamaica, is getting faster, and he'll be in you know, sort of the peak of his prime. There's got to be someone else, someone from the United States, uh, a lot of people from the Florida, Florida State University track that are coming out of the wood, coming out of the ranks and dominating the U.S. trials. So um, only time will tell. Very interested, very much looking forward to it. Uh, another person who will be joining us shortly is a member of the 4x400 men's team that won gold. Not many people can, not many people on this show can say they're a world champion. Basically, uh, George Mason graduate, uh, David Verbert, and we'll join him shortly. He'll join us shortly uh, for our weekly conversation, two weekly conversations. We also have Ashley Dill Sarah from the uh, women's field hockey team. But also, no impressive things, speaking of AU athletics, uh, Matt Centris' son, second place in the uh, 1500. So he is now, he is now improved and has gone from. Uh, bronze in Degau in 2011, and he now has his thoughts on his silver medal and his future going forward. It was, uh, it was definitely a weird race, you know. Um, the the pace was sporadic. Uh, I was in inside lane with 150 to go without an opening, so it was definitely uh, an interesting race. But you know, second place, so I'm very pleased with that. Okay. Uh, Olympics, I can't wait some hardware, but um, definitely ranks up up the top. Uh, one of the top races, definitely for sure. Um, it's just good to show I'm consistent at the world stage and um, each year, you know, mixing up with these guys uh, shows that I belong with them. So, but, you know, obviously Kip Rope's on another level right now, but I'm happy to, you know, give it a shot with 100 to go and I'll definitely in the right position. Now. So what's the best time you've ever, you've ever done on the track, mate? Um, best time I've ever done on the track? What was your, what was your go-to event? Well, back before I had kids, I probably could have done in, what's the distance we're talking about? 1,500. 1,500? Or 400. 400? Uh, probably a day and a half. Yes, exactly. We have someone who can do that in probably less time than that. He's David Berber. He joins us now on Fanatic Radio. What does it feel like for you, David, that when someone comes up to you and says you are a world champion? Um, I'm actually still getting used to uh, getting used to that feeling. It hasn't really sunk in fully yet. 
Um, definitely a dream come true, though, but uh, still not used to the whole world champion title. What was your thoughts um, going into the race? Because you're, you're the first person to start off knowing that after you ran your 400 meters that you did your part and everything else uh, rested on your teammates' shoulders. You know, my goal was just, um, you know, first off, not fall start, <laughs> not leave the baton uh, in the blocks, and just uh, get out as best as I could. And are, I you surprised, play- are you surprised that you guys won by such a large margin? I'm not surprised at all. Um, we had LaShawn Merritt, who was number one in the world, Tony McQuay, who is, was number two. And, you know, we have a great group of guys. USA always puts out um, great 4 by 4 so winning by that big of a margin wasn't really that big of a surprise. How did you get on the team? Because a lot of people um, are always curious, especially the, the fans listening, are always curious how they narrow it down. How are you? How did you get among the pool to then be selected to the uh, the four guys that ran that event? Well, I uh, I, I placed sixth at um, USA Trials in Des Moines, and then they take those six and they bring them over to they brought them over to Moscow, and then it's just you know how you practice and you know, are you practicing hard, are you being dedicated, and it also depends like how you run in the how you run in the prelims, like do you run well. Um, but it's basically a coach's discussion, like, you know, what they think you're capable of and, like, what they think you're going to do. Were you always chosen to be the first guy to uh, start the race? No, I didn't actually know until three hours before that I was going to lead off in the final. How did that make you feel? I was, I was uh, after I got the call, I uh, hung up the phone and uh, <laughs> jumped on the bed a couple of times, you know. But um, I was really, I was really excited, and then you know I got really nervous. I was like, "Wow, you know, I'm leading this off, so all eyes are on me, so you know I can't mess it up," type of thing. All right, so now you join uh, a prestigious list of guys that have won not only just a medal at the World Championships, but a gold medal. What is what is next for you? What's uh, what's on the agenda for David Verberg in the future? Uh, well, I I just recently signed a uh, contract with Adidas, so I'll still be running. But now, you know, just focus on, um, you know, lowering my time, getting faster, you know, get ready for Worlds in 2015. And then, of course, the Olympics are over in Rio. So, you know, every year my goals just get a little bit better, a little bit faster. It's crazy to think that you, just a few months ago, you just graduated college, and yet you're going off to Moscow winning gold medals. Is this all something yet? Um, Not fully. You know, I'm still trying to get used to... uh, the whole being done with school thing and the whole, you know, professional running. But um it was definitely it was definitely a long summer. Definitely a lot of different changes. It was definitely uh, a lot different from college running. So how all really I'm still getting, you know, getting used to everything. Still getting used to it. All right, and also uh, we just played a uh a sound bite from Usain Bolt who said he was planning on retiring in twenty sixteen. Uh do you think he'll be as good as he as he is now? Three years from now, um, I believe so. It all depends on 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 his training and and how well he maintains his his lifestyle as it is now. But uh, I don't, you know, he's one of the greatest athletes ever. So I don't see why he couldn't still compete at a high level in three years. All right, we hope to see you in Rio in three years. We'll follow you as well as you continue your success. Congrats on your contract with Adidas, and thank you once again, Dave, for joining us here on the show. I'd love to have you on again. I think, uh, no problem. Hopefully with, a gold, hopefully with a gold medal from Rio. Uh, hopefully so.
I say remember, remember the 4x400 men's team that won gold in Moscow. His comments. Uh, you can check that out on the podcast on iTunes and on Facebook.com uh, slash Fanatic Radio and BlockTalkRadio.com slash Fanatic Radio. We'll take a break. When we come back, Ashley Dosera of the AU Women's Field Hockey Team talks about her season and a little something called the gauntlet. You don't want it's their midnight madness. You don't want to miss it. This is Al Gardner Ben Florence on Fanatic Radio. Florence here from uh, Radio Saigon, American University Studio 111. Flo, that's the spot. Absolutely. Give our, give our good friend Malcolm Barber. Absolutely. Hey, soccer fans, if you are looking for an exciting and interactive experience, you know, besides listening to the show, the D.C. United Soccer Club will be hosting College Night on October 4th against the Chicago Fire. Yes, College Night. It will feature a pregame tailgate, a halftime mascot race between all the local colleges. I mean, we have to admit, the GW Colonial is 
on that, and many other activities. Tickets will be sold at the price of $20 per ticket. You cannot miss out. For more information, visit www.dcunited.com slash au. That's right, October 4th. Our good friend DC United, our good friend Malcolm Barber, who is wearing a customized jersey today. Again. Fantastic for him. I'd love to give him the support also. Amword, American Word Magazine, our good friend Josh Ponell, and more to come. As AU Athletics starts home games this weekend. Yeah, home games. Today, actually. Federal road games. Field hockey and men's soccer kick off today. At 3 and 5 p.m. respectively. And another doubleheader on Sunday. As we have our weekly conversation with our good friend Ashley Delacera, goalkeeper. Oh, yeah. Of the American University field hockey team on what it will take to take back the Patriot League. Yeah. That, is, that is their team's motto. Well, first off, you're the first ever guest I've ever had stand me up for an interview. I've actually, I've had, I've actually forgot about an interview before, but you are the first. Karma, right? <laughs> well, I'm really sorry about that. No, like, no, you're real. fine, you're fine. It's, it's actually not, it's not that big of a deal. But um, how's okay. your hockey? Everything good? Yeah. Yeah. Excited for your home openers this weekend? Yes. There's some artists today because it'd be for Friday. Oh, because this is airing mm. Friday. Okay. Um, yeah, Rachel women will definitely be really exciting. It's always a battle between the two of us. Uh, similar to Richmond in their style, very scrappy, and we just got to bring our A game. How do how do you as a goalie prepare for games? I'm always interested about that because like because these guys they have like different routines, but I'm guessing yours is different. A little bit. Um, as far as my pregame, like I like to be like super focused, so I always watch footage beforehand. I have like a warm up mixtape that I made or playlist basically on my phone that I always listen to. Um, it's just you've got to be super focused because all you can focus on is the ball at the time, like organizing the defense and everyone in front of you. But when it comes time, if the shot's coming, you can't be doing anything except being balanced. And basically, all my training is hours of work for a split second of a game. How visible is the ball? It's not like is it like as as bad as it seems? Because I've trained and I'm used to it, it definitely doesn't seem probably as fast or as invisible. To like spectators, so especially when it's coming right at you, you tend to see it more. And taking one spot on the ball when it's coming at you makes it seem bigger and slower. So something I learned back in high school. <laughs> Do you sort of guess where it goes? No. Or is it like you know it? She's gonna shoot. It's gonna go there. Um. Sometimes I can read based on the skills of the push. I know where they're gonna go before it's actually left their stick. But on a sweep or a hit, a lot of times it's just instinct and be able to react fast enough. How long have you been playing goalie? Seven or eight years. So it's like second nature to you. Yeah. All right. And this year, is there a little extra motivation after the previous year? I think every year we have that push and that desire because our program does have the history behind it with so many Patriot League wins and in the past few years we've come up short of our desires and obviously we're the last class to have that feeling and know what it feels like to win a Patriot League championship so there is that drive especially being a senior I want to go out with a win. How far will you go or what like what's the most extreme thing you'll do to win a Patriot League? I'd do whatever it takes. I mean. Like X-Factor style? Oh yeah. 
like literally just lay it out on the field. There's nothing else to lose if you. I mean, if it means I'm breaking my back, flipping over to get a ball, then I'll do it just to win that game. How's the off season? How was the off season leading up to the uh, the first two games you had? The off season was awesome. We came in a little bit early to work on our team unity, and that definitely shows on the field. So, like, I don't know. It's just that feeling and that clickiness of the whole team and everyone feeling prepared and being relaxed. So, uh, preseason itself was great as far as playing. Everyone's picked up new skills. Everyone's got something to give to the team. So we're literally a team of 20 deep, and anyone can go in anywhere. Is it a little different because you're a senior? It is, actually. Like, you don't have anywhere near as much pressure. Like, when you're going out to play, it's, you're just playing, you're having fun. You don't – it's nothing new. Like, after four years of doing it, the gauntlet was easy. It was – you go out there and you just do it. All right, for the fans, what is the gauntlet? <laughs> uh, the gauntlet would be our running test at midnight. We run the mile, our goal time, or our AUFH standard is a 6.15 mile, so if you get that, you're done, but if you do not get a 6.15 mile, you are running an 800, which is two more laps, a 400, another lap, and a 200, which is half a lap. Have you ever done that before? I've done that for four years now. <laughs> really? Why is it at night? Why is it at midnight? To signify the importance of, like, we start when we're allowed to start per NCAA, and midnight is the first moment you're allowed to play with your team and practice with the coaches, so we take advantage of that and basically seize the opportunity to get started. So it's like your midnight madness. Yep, that's exactly what that is. How do you see at night? Do you like hold flashlights and stuff while you run? They do, but you can actually see a lot better than you think. Plus, sometimes you don't want to see how much further you have to go. <laughs> Could I do the gauntlet? Can can it be done by the average person? If you train, yes. How much training? Well, I train year round, <laughs> and I so I need a year of training to make the was it six? Six fifteen. Six fifteen. I'm gonna do that in the spring. I think you do that. I want to do that. I want. I want to give it. I want to give it a shot. Yeah. Yes, that'd be awesome. All right, and um, an extra team of the Patriot League. The uh, Boston, who apparently is pretty good, as told by your t you and your teammates. Yes. Does that give you even more motivation to know that not only is there a newcomer in your conference, but there's a, usually a consistently nationally ranked opponent in your conference? I think that just gives us more motivation to progress our game for everyone, not just within the Patriot League, because we ourselves are trying to come back as a contender in the top 20, top 10, keep working our way back up to our previous standings. And Boston will definitely put pressure on us to do that. Because each game, like James Madison, they're currently um, in the top. I don't think they're in the top 20, but they're in, They're definitely a good team that could easily make it in the top 20 in the next couple of weeks. So if we beat them, it's just one more step. How was the first week? First week went well. Um, games. Yeah, um, I think there were four teams in all of NCAA that went into, or Division One NCAA that went into overtime, and two of those four games were ours. So Richmond was a really exciting game, pretty back and forth. Um, Katie had an awesome reverse chip to win the game in overtime, and then unfortunately against ODU, uh, we came up short on the in the overtime, so it was a very similar situation. We were just on the other side of it, but 
they're a number 18, and then we just learn from it so we can make ourselves better. Is it good to know that you can compete with the best in the nation? Definitely. In fact, after watching footage of that game, our shots and our chances in the circle were far more dangerous than theirs. And um, after seeing that, we can we know we have more potential than that, and we can keep driving and just take one more step forward this week. What's different about this team than the, four, than the other three years you've played? Uh, about James Madison specifically? No, like oh, hey. your team. Um, I think just our overall attitude is much better than I've seen uh, since my freshman year. Everyone's really together. There's a sense of unity and like family that you can't get anywhere else. So you're like the mom of the team? Um... <laughs> No, I mean, even though we're the seniors, we don't feel like we're, like, dominating over them. We obviously look out for the freshmen, and we try to give them as much advice as we can, but everyone's equal, and we all just hang out have fun. All right, and um, what are some things to look out for this weekend and for the rest of the season? This weekend, I would say probably the scrappiness and our ability to finish would be to look out for, since... That's where we came up a little short in ODU, and now we're we've worked on that all week, and we will be working. We will be capitalizing on that in tomorrow's game, or today's game. <laughs> the, uh, our structure. We've been nailing out some new structures and presses. Hopefully, put the other teams on pressure, under pressure, and give us the ability to beat back on the attack faster. And this season, I think we're going to stick to our principles with that, and just continue capitalizing on any opportunities in the circle and really keeping the other team on the back foot while we keep pushing forward. Do you have a team motto? Our team motto this year is TBPL. Am I not allowed to know what that means? No. You are allowed to spread that to everyone. TBPL is Take take Back the Patriot League. Oh, okay. So that's our ultimate goal of this. Well, not our ultimate. It's just our first goal. Once we get there, obviously the NCAAs are going to be the ultimate goal. But our team motto this year is TBPL. We're trying to spread that to other teams get everyone in on it, so every team should be taking back the Patriot League this, this year. So I think we had a lot of good runs for it last year, and this year's the year for all of us to take it back. Well, it has to be for you, especially. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's ride or die, isn't it? It is. I like that one, ride or die. And <laughs> then our other classic one is A-Unit, because we do have that unity, and we have something other teams don't have, which is that family. and mm-hmm. We actually care about each other instead of just We don't just see each other on the field. We're hanging out at the house. We're always together. Good afternoon, Sarah. Field hockey goalie for American University FH, who begin their homestand. It's James Madison today, and it's Longwood on Sunday. They have offered to train me to run their infamous gauntlet, which is basically get a mile at night. They run it at 12 a.m. at 6.15. True. I stopped. Yeah, I got started the stroke of midnight. Cinderella style. But yes, they play. And you signed for eight athletics. Finally playing games. We had volleyball dominate the DC Volleyball Challenge, winning three games to zero over every opponent as they're on some road trip this weekend. Men's soccer plays as they look to try to actually win a, a Patriot League title. We got a great Patriot League ahead of us, two new teams in. Loyola and Daston. 
Looking forward to it. Ready to rep uh, blue and blue, red, white, and blue? Absolutely. There's no bigger fan of AU athletics than I am. I mean, let's just be frank. I don't care about any of these clowns, li- literally or non-literally. AU athletics is my game. It's my drug. Your love is my drug. And we love it. Yeah, make sure you go out and see those games. Or you can catch it always at Eagles Vision TV. Right. As I'll be on the call of Malcolm Barber for both Seahawks yeah. games. Also, I want to give a shout out to uh, Ian Lutz. There you go. And he's your run, he's running at Catholic this weekend, which is the best. And he also helped me coin the phrase "ride or die," as he repeatedly says it in our apartment. But um, let's talk about NASCAR. Why yeah. not? Why yeah. not? That's, uh, yeah. Richmond is yeah. it Saturday. Richmond is Saturday night. Saturday night, the last race in the regular season, and NASCAR.com had a whole sheet, like a, the, the hospital bill length of scenarios that could happen, including guys like Jeff Gordon, Kurt Busch, Truex, Newman, Kozlowski, who are the guys, Jamie McMurray, who are the guys getting in the chase, according to BeefLD60.com? All right. So, if you check out The Greatness, and by The Greatness, I mean my blog, and my Who Makes 2013 Chase for the Sprint Cup, uh, the guys I have getting in, I think, the, ch- the bottom of the chase field, 7 to 12, going to two wild cards. And I think it's going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr., who's a lock to get in, Joe Logano, Who's in very good shape to get in. They're good at the late, too. Yeah, he's great at the late. And I think Jeff Gordon is currently 11th. I think he's going to slide into the chase. No, he's on to all at Richmond. Yeah, he's solid at Richmond. He hasn't won there since uh, the Clinton administration. Literally. Then who hasn't? But uh, very true. Uh, then I got Casey Kane. I think he's going to slide out of the wild card spot. You have a good run. He got his first ever win at Richmond back in. Uh, Went at Bristol earlier this year. Yes, he did. In his second. And yeah, one, right. and he won. Uh, what else did he win? Case King won somewhere else. Uh, Kansas, no, Kansas, Kansas. Uh, we're gonna, we're, he won at. He won at Vegas. Then in the in the important two wild card spots, I've got Greg Biffle, who I think is going to tumble a little bit because he's not very good at all at Richmond. But he does have that one win. He does have that one win. And I think the second wild card spot, he's going to jump Martin Truex, is going to be uh, the dude in that hand motions. On the radio. And see on the radio. Uh, I think Ryan Newman's going to get in the chase finally here at uh, Stewart Haas before he goes to wherever he's going. Exactly. Silly season is among us. And we love it. So we have. Who's going to get in the chase? Don't give me some crap. Who, who I think is going to get in the chase? Yeah, bro. Come on, bro. From the seven, from the, I go from eight. I think Joe Logano is when he's had, I think, two top five since his win. Two top ten since his win. I like it. I mean, I'm hoping Fred Jeff Gordon gets in. Last year he got in by the skin of his teeth and his nose. He had to finish like 15 places ahead of Kyle Bush, and it was just a melee, frantic rush, the 24th to get in. So he usually runs well at Richmond, and it is do or die for him because he's had all the chance to make it, but that he has blown it, like the races such as Walking the Glen, and Bristol. Yeah. So I think he'll get in. He always finds a way to get in. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me why. Always finds a way to get in. I don't think Kurt Busch will get in. 
Nope. No Kurt Busch. Too much is surrounded him around the Stuart Haas signing and the uh, Haas CNC deal that was struck last week. Yes, ma'am. That, that is all the media is going to be talking about because he usually cracks under pressure. Even though he's had a phenomenal year for Nitro, I do not think he'll get it because he do not, does not have a win. True. Casey Kane will get in. If not in the top ten, oh, no, he's a lock. by his two he wins, he's locked in. Who are the other? Is Newman Biffle? I guess the, the win Biffle's in right now. He's got a win. He got Newman with a win. He's a few spots by a few uh, points behind Martin Truex. He also has a win and a great win to Simone. The only guy who could shake this up would be is if I think if Kedlowski gets a win. Yeah. That'll throw everything. That's but you he, still have to outrage out to look at what the scenario is. You still got that point, folks. True. But uh, guys, in guys already locked in the chase. It could make some noise. We'll have our chase preview next week. Oh yeah. They'll start in Chicago. Flo and I will not be attending the House of Blues in the Windy City, though. Why not? Well, it's to get tickets out there. House of Blues all upon us. But Kyle Busch, a lot of people are saying this could be the year. God, with, I his, with his win last week. But I want to give a congratulations to Jimmy Johnson first off. He's reading the Twitter sphere. Okay. That him and his wife had their second child today. How about that? So, look at that. Dude, not even stayed by a baby. He probably will go out and win it again as he has had a lightning year. Greatest driver in the history of NASCAR. Matt Kenseth has had a great year as well. We'll have that chase preview next week as Flo is looking at those scenarios. Quick talk about the NBA. Did you see that they are having motion tracking cameras in all the arenas across the country? NBA is part of the stats on the sports view cameras. The single arena, which originally the prototype was the 09 NBA Finals. Yeah. Now, the league-wide initiative that will basically monitor every move a player makes on the court, gauge how tired he is, and can even keep an eye on the job referees are doing. Truth. Is that a good thing? That means fans and everyone can see when a guy is not trying, which a lot of people criticize the NBA for, mm. to be posed stern. And now they're getting motion detecting cameras. A, you get motion detecting cameras? Uh, probably. This is good. This is the first ever league to do this. Uh, yeah, I imagine this is the first I've heard of it. This is uh, pretty crazy stuff. Not going to lie, uh, that was going to be interesting and see how it, if it use it, if we are going to trash players. Um, you know who you are, <laughs> Carmel. Our good friend from uh, Jaron Berman would be very yeah. interested on this. Jerk. Who bailed on the show because he had Nate Jones coming to it. Uh, he'll be able to join us with this rant because I have a very important uh, question of the music world to ask him. You could see it. Yes, but Carmel Anthony, now you see the uh, progression of the players that are injured coming back. It'll be Bryant, mm. Dwayne Wade, who was mm. plagued with injuries last week, Kevin Love. I have no idea how this will work out. It's a system of six cameras for the software. It was originally used with the in Orlando. So now you got everyone. So this is great. The scenario they gave, the NBA gives, is uh, you want to see how successful Ricky Rubio is guarding Russell Westbrook. This is huge. This, this could ultimately change um, breakdown of film and teams. An 82 game season. Could look at their data. This is better than Moneyball. This is like Tron Legacy. Ew. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's way Tron too much. Legacy. I think it's way too much technology in sports. 
But then again, I digress. Flow, some soccer talk before we end the show. United States takes on Costa Rica tonight. B1 Sports in San Juan. And they take on our good friends south of the border. They play Mexico in Columbus on September 10th. Basically, if the U.S. wins one of these two games, they clinch a spot at the 2014 World Cup, which is not that far away, less than 12 months away. Yeah. But the huge drama surrounding tonight's game against Costa Rica, the last two times the U.S. has played our other good friends of red, white, and blue was a 1-0 victory. The Costa Ricans protested, changed the ball, and tried to avoid everything they could to avoid the monstrosity of a snowstorm at Dick's Sporting Park in Denver. And then we played them in the Gold Cup, and we beat them 1-0. A very late goal score by my boy, Greg Shea. Mm. The United States team has not lost since the game I saw in May against Belgium in a friendly. Currently have the longest win streak in the world at 12. So the Altidore has been on a tear. They did not only defeat the number 13 team in the world, Bob Hurts, they went into Sarajevo and won. Yeah, I love Sarajevo. And Donovan was quoted saying this is probably the best he's been playing. Has not actually played with Altidore or... Donovan, your roommate? No, the, the great Landon Donovan. Have the late Donovan. The giant mural behind us. You can't see in our studio. There's no mural. He says he's 31 years old. He says it's the best he's ever been playing. Josie Altidore has been on a tear. Had three goals in that game against Bosnia and Herzegovina. And he was on an absolute... He's the first USA player to score in five straight games he's played. Costa Rica also has been quoted. Their coach has been saying, I want our team to go into this match with blood running hot, but with cool heads. Yeah. Them fighting words right there. They are fighting words. And nobody wants to be hot, more hot, get hot than I do. So, but I love action like this. I think they are, you know... You're incredible. He's brought a new edge to this team. He's made them winners. He's made that, and he's given them the motivation that they can go out and take on anybody. As we've seen this summer. We haven't really had that. The United States hasn't really had that as a coach for a while. A team that's given them the confidence that they can go in and take on anybody. And have that edge to, uh, I mean, Bob Bradley, solid coach, probably got the raw prize of the deal. But he was never able to get the team cranking. Like Clemson does uh, for this team right now, so it, for the World Cup could uh, could go wild, or we can just go out in the first round again. But sure, knock on wood. Yeah, but it's interesting. These next two games will determine how good this USA team is because we have Costa Rica and then Mexico. Even though it is a home game, it's in Columbus, which will be all red, white, and blue. So I don't think a lot of. Of course, I think Mexico travels well with their teams. This is ride or die. This is Ian Lutz. This is ride or die for the USA. Because yeah. after the Gold Cup performance, which was phenomenal, we had a goal differential of like plus 10. Of course, we weren't playing the great, greatest teams. But we the games that we should have lost, Costa Rica and Panama, especially Panama in the finals, found a way to win. And Clemson has sort of pieced together a bunch of ragtag bunch of guys from the MLS, from small clubs in Europe, the only big-name guy was Clint Dempsey, but now he's with the Sounders. Yeah, they sort of blocked the other big-tier staff. Michael Bradley currently is the only guy with a big-name club. He's from AS Roma. The combination has to be key for the U.S. tonight. The U.S. has to win. There, and the thing, back in the day with the Bob Bradley-Bruce Arena era, it was always hesitant when they go down to these 
Central American countries never knew if they were going to win. But now, I have the faith to say the United States will win. Not big. I'm not silly. I'm practical. Probably win probably win one zero tonight against Costa Rica, or I'll be happy with a one one tie. Because knowing the United States in games like this, Costa Rica will be coming out elbows are blazing, cleats up, several yellow cards, possibly a red card. Who knows? Low low scoring game, rough physical. We'll escape with a point. Then Mexico will probably win two zero because we haven't played Mexico since we went down to Azteca. And salvaged a tie. That was awful. It's a great game. hasn't lost in Mexico. No other coach has done that. He's the only guy to beat Mexico in Mexico. And the only United States coach has never lost. Of course, he's only faced them three times or two times. We're running out of time here on the regular show. Go to iTunes and listen to the podcast brought to you by American Word Magazine. And our good friends at uh, DC United. Remind everyone, it's college night. October 4th, DC United. Playing the Chicago Fire. Pre-game tailgate, halftime mascot races. Tickets will be sold at $20. Come to the tailgate and go to dcunited.com slash au. Listen to the podcast on iTunes, Hogwarts, Ben Florence, Fanatic Radio. USA has to win today to clinch a berth. And if they don't win, the team will fold. We can't fold. We're going to fold. The only, co- the only country I think has threatened of folding was Nigeria. Yeah. Because the uh, corrupt government... Not correct. Those friends across the pond had had a series where the government was taking money from players, restricting, and apparently that's against FIFA rules. Governments cannot intervene in their teams. I think the president was trying to choose the national team. He can't do that. And so Nigeria is threatened. I think he's still appealing a lifetime ban from our good friends at FIFA. We want to put the World Cup in the winter, but we'll gloss over that and yell some other day. Costa Rica can its first World Cup versus 06 with two wins this week. But the United States has to weather this storm by bloodbath as 10 players in Costa Rica have yellow cards. And, of course, according to CONCACAF and FIFA rules, if it gets another yellow card, they're banned from the next game, much like we saw from our good friend Dale McDonald last year as the U.S. as the a U.S. soccer team plays this weekend as well. So the country going to be mad. The overwhelmed hometown crowd, vengeance. They have 11 points in six matches, but their only loss, their only loss in CONCACAF play is against the United States. That was a 1-0 victory. But the United States, this is this is the ultimate, this is a true test if we can play because. I'm not going to say we can beat the Brazils, the Spain, the Germans. I'm not stupid. But like you were saying, Clemson has given us the hope that we can pretty much beat anyone on any given day. Yeah. What is your score prediction for tonight? Uh, I think that uh, Mexico is going to go down. It's like Costa Rica tonight. Crap. Uh, you said we for Mexico. What about next week? Tuesday on the 10th. Um, I think that it's going to be U.S. 3, Costa Rica 1. 3-1 on the road. On the road. Old take by flow. I'm going to take the 1-1 one, one tie. We won't give him a... We need to salvage at least. If we can salvage a point here, then we can carry all that momentum with like a 5-0 victory against Mexico. Which they have looked awful. At their only, you know, applaud is a 4-1 victory in a friendly against Ivory Coast. It didn't even exist until Didier Droba came on the field in the second half. They rested. Ivory Coast rested. Not good. Uh, 
Tom, he's like one of the greatest players, one of the greatest African players of all time. Uh, Africa. He's not a lot of Giovanni von Braun He's not African, though. No, he's not. He is, um... But if you're Dutch. Well, Are we? No. Metaphysical quote of the day. Who are you talking about? Probably the greatest soccer player ever. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I wouldn't know. But it is a stretch. He's a very good player. Anyway, Mexico. They're sort of... They're, but then they're pressed because they have to, I think, win out to go to the World Cup. They're currently sitting in support. They're digging it out with Honduras. Crazy soccer news. Oh, the European transfer fees. Speaking of um, topic of soccer, European clubs spent over two point eight billion dollars for players. Gareth Bale had a record. Or Real Madrid had a record one hundred thirty-two million dollars to bring a guy from the heart of Wales play for Las Merengues. Flo, is anyone worth one hundred thirty-two million just to get him over? That's not even his contract. That's more than Brady has. One Flacco, I think Gareth Bale was one of the highest paid players ever. More than Cristiano Ronaldo when he had his huge transfer fee. More than Kaká who just went to AC Milan. Yeah, what could we spend and buy with 132 million dollars? Uh, Are we worth 132 million? Uh, no, probably not worth 132 dollars <laughs> or a dollar. Eagle Bucks. Definitely Eagle Bucks. Give you a lot of. Uh, Okay, that's a, European soccer has reached higher dollar signs than the NFL and NBA. Yeah, but you know, A-Rod still what? Two million. Let's be honest. Does anybody really care about soccer? We do. No. Well, I guess you don't. You know, yes, you do have a team. Who's that team in Ireland you supported? They invested all that. The, 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 the Bray Wanderers, bro. How are they doing? The Bray Wanderers, I, uh, I have no idea. Uh, but let, let's be honest about soccer. As Hank Hill once said, oh, let me actually pull this quote up. Hank Hill once said about soccer that it was invented by European housewives as a way to keep busy. Then listen, then play it. So what's the world game, though? Yeah, well, I mean, I like soccer, but let's just be frank. It's 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 funny going it's going to going to the school watching American fans cheer for European teams when they have guys that say, "I am an Arsenal fan." No, you. Yeah. Unless you're talking about Malcolm Barber, who loves the United. DC United. Called yeah, bro! Like, like European teams. Yeah. The guys have, like, Arsenal yeah. scarves and flags in their room. They're not Nonetheless, from, is the equivalent. They're not from London. They have no right to cheer for They can cheer for them, but don't don't support. It's it's unhealthy for 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 everyone. The height of just too muchery. Just too muchery. Anything else you missed? We'll talk about baseball next week. The playoff races are heating up. Yeah, you're the chicken that visited. Do I the chicken cross um, progressive field? I did not. To help the Indians make a wild card. Oh, let me tell you something about the Indians. Cor- corny joke, but that's something that happened. Kind of racist. A-Rod's still playing. We'll get Jared Berman's take on his uh, Yankees. Not, he's not a Yankees fan. He's is he really a Mets fan? Yeah, it's awful. That poor soul. We need to get on the show. We'd like to thank David Verberg, 4x400, relay gold medalist. He's really though. We'd like to thank Ashley De La Sera from the uh, he's from the from the AU field hockey team. And everyone from joining us on Fanatic Radio. Hopefully we'll be back in the studio as we have AU athletics this weekend, field hockey. And men's soccer. Men's soccer takes on Binghamton in Denver. Phil Hockey takes on James Madison. 
and Longwood. Let's thank our good friends at American Word Magazine. Go to amwordmag.com to read general interest articles. We will be simulcast on ATV, I believe, in two weeks' time. No. As we got the green light, we just need to attend. We just need to attend several meetings. Check out the podcast on iTunes. We beefo360.com. Watch Georgia, South Carolina. Any other folk college football games we missed? Uh, I think it's still early, but uh, Florida, Miami, and uh, uh, Miami Yards. So that should be a good one. Uh, first time they've played since uh, 2008. Okay, Brock Berlin was quarterback. Yes! There we go. That's the correct answer. But yes, we love Brock. We played for both. Tebow, was Tebow in that game? 08? Uh, probably. Tebow should be a guest host on our show. Rest in peace. You go back. I know, but... Get by a train. No, the NFL kicks off this weekend. We'll be back next week on Vox Talk Radio. This is a podcast on iTunes. Notorious Ben Florence. I'm Michael Gardner. Yeah, bro! We'll see you next week.